Hey, this is Dave DeBoe. Would you like to access private capital so that you can buy more properties and scale your real estate business? Then check out my brand new podcast. It's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show. Now, the first nine episodes are a mini course on how to raise six figures in a matter of weeks and seven figures in a matter of months, even if you're starting from scratch. So you can find this new show. Again, it's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or feel free to visit us at RaiseCapital101Show.com. Hey everybody, Dave DeVoe here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today you're in for a treat, especially if you're getting started with real estate investing or you're looking for kind of a creative way to get going with single family homes because our special guest today, Craig Kirloff, is not only a real estate investor, He's a realtor. He helps investors out, but he's also a specialist when it comes to house hacking. And our topic for today, this is a big claim, my friend, I'm going to hold you to it, but is how to achieve financial independence in five years or less through house hacking. So Craig, welcome to the call. Dave, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the warm intro. Hey, my friend, my pleasure. So Craig, very, very quickly, how did you get in the whole crazy world of real estate? And more importantly, how did you discover house hacking and what does house hacking mean to you? Yeah, so really it all started back in 2016, 2017, when I was working at a corporate job out in the Bay Area that I just absolutely hated. And I just couldn't see myself working there for the rest of my life or for the next 30 or 40 years. And I couldn't see myself working anywhere like that for the next 30 or 40 years. I just thought, man, there's got to be more to this little thing called life than sitting in a cubicle all day. And so turns out I'm not the only one that ever had that thought. There's a lot of people on Google and a lot of people on all of the, all of the interwebs that had this idea before me. And so, but being in Silicon Valley, I kind of initially thought of the idea that I needed to have a startup where right? I needed passive income through a startup. And so well, that, I started, that makes sense. That's what you're surrounded with day in, day out, right? Yeah, that's it, right? We were looking at startups and everything was a business. And the first book I'd ever read on the subject was Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. And he did it through a like supplement business or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, okay, like I'm going to try to figure out some sort of business model. And so I kept thinking of dumb ideas or dumb idea after dumb idea until I realized that I didn't need to become like Tim Ferriss or Mark Zuckerberg or anybody like that. I could just become a real estate investor, right? Do what 90% of millionaires have done. And that's so for, what, what, where did that epiphany come from? What did you read or what sparked that? Uh, so what kind of sparked my interest was my intern at the time, believe it or not, his dad had, or he told me about his dad who had purchased a nine unit property, maybe 15 or 20 years prior. And that nine unit basically funded his entire lifestyle. And I thought, oh, damn. And I started to look at the place that I lived, which was about a 20 unit down in San Jose, California. Yeah. And the little you know, Latina woman who would just collect, and she was probably 60 or 70 years old and she would just come and collect the rent. And it would be like $2,000 just from us, from me and my roommate. And I was like, man, multiply that by 20. And she's making what, like $40,000 a month. That's crazy. All she has to do is own the asset. And so that's when I started to look a little bit more into real estate. And then I found bigger pockets and basically went down that rabbit hole from there. Yeah. That's a big rabbit hole to go down. That's great. All right. So house hacking, how'd you get into that? 
Yeah. And so, you know, through my listening of Bigger Pockets, right, listening to the podcast, watching the webinars, reading the books, it seemed obvious that the best way to get started was a house hack. And so for those that don't know what house hacking is, it's when you buy a one to four unit property with as little as, you know, three to 5% down for me. But if you're in the military, it goes as low as 0% down. So you don't need a lot of money right? Then you have to buy the house. The requirement is that you need to live there for one year, but while you're living there, you can rent out the other units or the other rooms so that your tenants are paying your mortgage and you're able to live rent-free, which is probably eliminating your largest expense. So when I hear house hacking, I think of a single family home, a house, whatever that looks like, three bedroom, two bath, four bedroom, whatever it is. But you're also talking about, it could be a small multi-unit building. Is that correct? It could be a duplex, triplex, fourplex type thing. As long as it's a residential property, you can get it with residential financing. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly right. So the way house hacking was originally founded was buy a duplex, live in one half, rent out the other, right? That was like the only way to house hack when I found it. Mm -hmm. And then ever since then, we've had more and more people get creative with the single family homes and renting out the rooms and Airbnb basements and all that kind of stuff. So basically any way you can profit off of the house that you live in, I'd say that's a house hack. Makes sense. Awesome. All right. So what did you do first? What was your first? Did you take your own advice and jump in and start doing house hacking right away? Yeah. So once I discovered house hacking, I actually picked up and moved to Denver, which is a little bit easier of an area to house hack. And at the time, like I said, the only way to do it was to buy a duplex, live in one half, rent out the other. Of course, there was a way to do it the other way. It just wasn't widely known. And so my first property was an up-down duplex in a good part of Denver up and coming kind of gentrifying part. I lived in the bottom, rented out the top and I wasn't quite covering my mortgage, but I was really, really determined to cover my mortgage. So what I did was I kind of took it to the extreme. I rented out my bedroom on Airbnb and I slept in the living room, like behind a, I set up a curtain and a room divider, like a cardboard room divider and slept kind of in the nook there. And then I was cash flowing like four, five, $600 a month. Not much privacy, but (laughs) Not much, but yeah, at the time, you know, I was 24 years old. Right. And so I was single, I was 24 years old. So I thought this is the only time in my life that I can go all out like this, because once I find a girlfriend, this isn't happening. And so I figured, Hey, yeah, yeah, definitely not. And so I figured take the cards given to me and play them in the correct way. And so I thought that was the best way to play my cards. All right. Very good. So then fast forward a few years, that's not that long ago, my friend. So what did your journey look like? You started with that up-down duplex. You rented out the top floor, the nicer one, and you rented out your bedroom part-time as an Airbnb type thing. Where did things go from there? Yeah. And so basically from there, every single year on the year, I was just purchased another one, right? And so the second one I purchased was a rent by the room method. So I bought a single family house, lived in one bedroom and rented out the others. So a little bit more privacy. Mm kind of did the same thing for years three, four, and five. Eventually we have this thing called the comfort continuum where on one side is comfort and the other side is profit. And so I started on the very profitable side of that continuum and moved gradually towards comfort. So I would take a little bit less profit in every house, but I was getting a little bit more comfortable. And so eventually I ended up having my own place with my girlfriend at the time. She's now my wife. And we were just renting out our basement. And so we've kind of just gradually moved along that spectrum to over the course of five or six years. And that's allowed us to achieve financial independence by having cash flowing properties in a highly appreciating area. Very nice. So the cash flow from your other X number of properties has replaced your J-O-B income. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. All right. So 
part of that sounds like it's based a little bit on market timing. Now that we're, as we're currently doing this interview, we're in 2022, I'm not sure exactly about where you're living right now, but in our area, property prices have gone absolutely nuts. Is this house hacking still a viable strategy today? 100%. I know it sounds funny, but saying it now, but in 2017, everyone thought that was the top of the market too. Hmm. Right. And so they've been saying the same thing every single year for the past five or six years. And it's really not about timing the market, because if you were to do this for the next five years, sure, maybe you're buying at the peak now. But next year, if it drops, you're going to buy at the next trough and you can continue to buy and buy and buy. And so if you buy one property a year for the next five or 10 years, I bet you you kind of hedge all market risk. You'll buy at all times in the market. And as long as you're buying a cash flowing asset, a cash flowing property, it doesn't really matter what the market does. Right. So, yeah, sure. I got lucky. But I put myself in a position to be lucky, though. If you never buy, you can't get lucky. And so, you know, I always just say, make sure you're buying in an area where you're going to cash flow, which you can absolutely do that with rent by the room, with Airbnb. Rents are increasing, too, by the way. It's not just property prices. Mm -hmm. So rents have increased quite a bit in the last couple of years. And so it's all about just getting in and letting the market kind of do its thing after that. Yeah, because this is a long-term buy and hold strategy, you're not looking to flip a property. You're not looking to get in and out quickly. The only reason you're getting in and out quickly is that you're using the property as your primary residence for the minimum amount of time that allow you to qualify to purchase another property. So let me ask you this question, Craig. Is every single property that you're doing every year, you're able to get in with normal residential financing as if it's your primary residence with 5%, 10% down type thing? Yeah. So I would do, I did three and a half percent down FHA loan on my first one and everyone thereafter was 5% down. And so it started to get a little bit tough when I quit my job to qualify on the debt to income, Mm -hmm. but I had enough money and made enough money as a realtor for my 1099 and had leases on my other properties. So if you have leases on your other properties, that can count towards the income side of your debt to income ratio. So it doesn't throw that too much out of whack. Very cool. And none of the banks got snitty about the fact that you're really not living in the property for that long. Did any of them clue in that you were house hacking? Oh, they knew, they knew, but I never went against the law, right? I lived there for a year, just as the loan stipulated. And so I did exactly what they told me to do. And that was it. So, you know, they couldn't really complain. Beautiful. That's a wonderful strategy. Wow. That's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code podcast. That's right. Discount code podcast at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Now that you're on both sides of the table, so to speak, you're an active investor. You're also a realtor. You're helping people do this for themselves. What are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing people making when it comes to house hacking? I'd say the biggest mistakes that I see most people make are either one over rehabbing. So they try to make the place way prettier than it needs to be. Like at the end of the day, if you're renting out a basement, you don't need to put in quartz countertops. You don't need to put in tile floors and all that kind of stuff. 
you can keep the expenses relatively low, but you like to make it all glamorous for the Instagram, but don't do that. The second thing I see a lot of is they go back on their tenant screening. So they may have criteria they set for tenants, you know, minimum credit scores, background checks. They get lazy on calling the landlords and previous references and they end up with a bad tenant. Hmm. And when you end up having a bad tenant, you end up with a lot more stress. So those would be the two biggest mistakes and two common mistakes that it seems that everyone makes because no one thinks it will happen to them until it happens. Until it does. Yeah. <laughs> Painful, expensive lessons to learn, but they tend to stick. Very cool. Now, you talked about finding an affordable market to do this in. What if you're living in an expensive market and it's not really realistic to leave that market? Any tips for people in expensive markets? Like, for example, if you had a gun to your head and you had to stay in San Jose, California back in the day, would it have been viable there? Yeah, 100%. So there are people house hacking in San Francisco, in you know Oakland, everywhere in the Bay Area, right? So I could have easily moved within 20 minutes of where I was living and bought a place that would allow me to house hack. Now, I may not live for free. That's the thing, right? Uh, so there's this idea that like you need to live for free, but you don't have to, right? But could you take a dramatic decrease in your rent? So instead of paying $2,000 a month in rent, maybe I would pay six or $700. So I'm still saving $1,300 a month, which is significant, but I've also purchased a property in a highly appreciating area because any area that's extremely expensive will also appreciate a great amount. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're not going to, if you're in an expensive area, it may not get you to financial independence through cash flowing properties like you may want, but you'll get rich through the appreciation, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that you can then tap into that equity in maybe one or two years. And then maybe you can buy properties in cheaper markets that will help you achieve financial independence that way. And so again, I think no matter which way, where you live or which way you go, house hacking will for sure help you generate and build wealth. Yeah, most definitely. And especially in an expensive market, it's a great way to get into a home. I mean, because so many people are wondering how they can afford to, how they can possibly afford home ownership in those expensive markets. This is a way to do it. Now, when you're working with clients, are you, especially, well, you're not in a super expensive market right now, but you were in Denver, correct? Mm -hmm. That's a yeah. fairly expensive market. If I'm not yeah, our whole team is in Denver still. So we still help people in mostly in Colorado. Okay, perfect. All right. Are you typically advising people to buy a house with multiple rooms and rent out by the room or get into a duplex, triplex, fourplex type situation? So it all depends on what the person wants, mm -hmm. right? If you want maximum cash flow, I'd highly recommend renting out the rooms or doing Airbnb or something like that. Everybody comes to us and they want a duplex, triplex or quad. However, it's extremely difficult to find them in Denver. They just didn't make a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And so when you do find them, they're usually either in crappy condition, they're in rough areas, they're really overpriced. And they honestly, they get less rent than the single family houses do. And so I personally don't love the duplex, triplex, quad play. I really like, unless you can find kind of like a unicorn, I would say the best play in the Denver market is to find a place with a basement that you can kind of section off from the top, maybe just by putting a door up. That way you can kind of create that separate entrance so you can have another unit downstairs or you can have an Airbnb downstairs or you can rent out the rooms pretty easily. And that will just create a lot of cash flow and a lot of opportunity for people who want to buy in Denver. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, what about folks who say, well, you know, sounds like a good plan, Craig. However, I'm not a single young guy anymore. I'm married. I've got kids, all this kind of stuff. Is it feasible for me to do something like this at this stage? Anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. And maybe you're not renting out 
your rooms to people you don't know. But if you can separate the basement from the upstairs and maybe throw a kitchenette or something in the downstairs and Airbnb the downstairs, you know, you have your own separate space. You've got your kids in your own area. You can maybe find a place that has an additional dwelling unit so you can totally separate that out. There really is a strategy for everybody. And again, you may not break even on the house that you're living in, but if you can save a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month, like that, that will be have a significant impact over time. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Very, very interesting. Any tips or suggestions for how best to find good roommates and and how to manage things when you're renting out your house by the room? Yeah. And so there's, you know, I have a whole course and a whole book on this subjects, but the quick rundown is really the best places that I find are Facebook marketplace for just getting your room listed. And then you can also go to like Zillow and Trulia and Hopaz and get your units listed up there. Mm-hmm. If you want rooms, Roomies, Roomster, there's a bunch of different sites out there trying to match roommates. So get your listing on as many places as possible because it's all a funnel, right? You want as many eyes as you can on your listing. right? So that way, as many people apply to it. And then you want to make sure that you're pretty strict on your screening criteria and do not like, again, everyone makes this mistake. You'll probably make this mistake too, but do not back down on your criteria. So if you have a 650 minimum credit score and a clean background check with good references, then make sure you stick to that. Stick, and if, stick to Yeah, it. stick to it, right? It's so easy. Someone's, oh, it's they got like a 640 though. Well, that's not your criteria, right? Where are you going to draw the line? And so that would kind of be the best way to get tenants. And if you're having trouble getting tenants, well, one little piece of advice I'll offer too is I found a lot of success in niching out the house. And what I mean by that is saying like snowboarders paradise or rock climber heaven or something like that. So you're going to attract people with like interests that are going to become friends. They're going to like each other. And so they're going to really enjoy and love living there. And if someone will identify as a snowboarder, they want to be in that snowboarder house because they're a snowboarder and they want to meet other snowboarders. And so rather than get like a eclectic group of people of like a video game or a snowboarder, whatever, a legal legends nerd or whatever it is, like you want people of the same demographic in the same house. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that sounds like a lot more fun for everybody, especially if you're a snowboarder or rock climber yourself, then you've just made a bunch of new friends. Yeah, exactly right. Now, how about tips or strategies for how do you just basic stuff, bathroom, cleaning, kitchen stuff, any tips? I know they'll send people to your site to find out more and get your book and take the course and all that kind of stuff. But how does that typically work? Yes. No. So every house is different. I would say some people just hire a cleaner. They pay the hundred bucks a month and they get a cleaner in and they keep the things clean. Our rule was just keep your common areas clean and I don't care what you do in your bedrooms. And so, you know, that was something that we did. It also kind of depends on like how care, like how much you care, how clean you cared your place is. If you really are like kind of OCD, then, you know, hiring a cleaner to come in once a month probably makes sense. Whether you split that or not is up to you. But I've seen the cleaner strategy. I've seen just everyone just pick up after yourself and have seen that work. When you're doing this, you're not renting out to a bunch of college kids, right? Usually these guys are a little bit more mature, you know, mid to late 20s, early 30s. So they're not out. They're not in partying. They're past that stage of life. They just want a nice, quiet place to retreat back to. And they clean up usually. Good. Good point. That's awesome. Craig, this has been a lot of fun. Very, very enlightening. Thanks for sharing your tips, tricks, and strategies for house hacking. And if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, what should they do? 
especially if they want to find out more about house hacking. If you want to follow me and kind of my journey, I'm the Fi Guy on Instagram, the F-I Guy. We wrote a book called The House Hacking Strategy, published through Bigger Pockets. We've got a course on house hacking called House Hacking University. So feel free to look all that stuff up. And if you've got any questions, just hit me up, just DM me on Instagram. I try to answer all my messages. So Fantastic. Well, very good. So Craig, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.